Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. in the swing of florida oh yeah how's that heat mm-hmm. treating you oh my gosh dude it is freezing what are you talking about it's like 72 degrees out there it's wow like, That's... i had to put it i had to put a jacket on today oh man the can you imagine 70 i had to wear, degrees. I had to wear socks huh Okay, I mean, knowing you though, you're just in Iron Rangers and like selvage jeans anyway. Even if it's I am, I am. The weather has finally caught up to me. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So you know, I'm in the the frigid Florida autumn. Uh, You know, it's it's just ah, it's so awful. Just the hurricane season's over, so the skies are just pure blue. It's lightly breezy. Mm. You know, it's just ugh, it's just so terrible. Uh, oh, why yeah. would why would anyone live here? Well, I can I can name a few reasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm getting back into the groove. I I've been trying to see if it will come up organically rather than me just Googling it. But I've been noticing that a lot of the Morgan and Morgan billboards down here have been defaced. Oh, Wow, what yeah. a throwback, actually, Morgan and Morgan and Morgan. Morgan and Morgan and Morgan, yes. Um, actually, so, so you know the, the, the tagline for the people. There's one that I've passed mm. a few times that's spray-painted, and like he's got devil horns on him, and it says, Whoa. fool the people. Ooh. Fool the people. That sounds like it's in the new Joker trailer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> John Morgan is Joker. <laughs> I just want you, hi, I'm John Morgan. I just want you to smile. Oh, I will man. do whatever it takes to get you and to smile because of how much money you're going to get from our settlements. Morgan and Morgan, put a smile on. Wow. Verbatim. Um, <laughs> I can see it in the casting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that must be some like town lore that's going on maybe or... Yeah, uh, all, but but like when I overhear people like in line for things, everyone's just talking about like the new Rays Stadium. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not that's not the town gossip I want. I don't I don't care right. about a baseball you know, stadium. N- no, why would you? I mean, you know, that's cool, yeah. I guess. But yeah, I want to I want to know like is is this one of the other like big uh you know uh, uh ambulance chaser lawyers is like uh is like you know, doing some guerrilla tactics against John mm. Morgan and Morgan and all of the, the other Morgans. Oh, now, now it's just like an episode of uh, Better Call Saul, basically. Mm. Yes, yes. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, again, no idea. Uh, if you are up on that gossip um, and how John Morgan is <laughs> yes. fooling the people, please let us know. Oh, yeah. 
When is John Morgan like going to like get into the the national spotlight? We can do a tour on him. Oh yeah, then it'll really it'll really connect everything. I bet um, I'm, I'm I'm shocked Trump hasn't tried to hire him. I don't know enough about him to like comment on this. To tell you the truth, I'm just like yeah, yeah John Morgan. He sounds like a lawyer. I, I I genuinely only know it from our own jokes about the Morgan and Morgan, and then adding Morgans. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, I see, I see some ads up by you. You know, he's okay. He's, yeah, he's, he's he's national. I also he's like not. he's he's vague. He's vaguely Christian. Um, okay. I think I I definitely remember a radio ad he used to play where he would talk about um uh his trip to Jerusalem and uh you know standing beneath the stations of the cross or whatever hmm yeah Interesting. so 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 va- vaguely vaguely christian but vaguely I, I, christian. I don't i don't know his i don't know his politics i think we can guess but um mm-hmm. yeah well apparently Anyways, he's fooling those if you, people <laughs> if you are john morgan or right. one of the other morgans i'm sure he's also named his children john true yeah yeah it's a common enough name yeah yeah Okay. Well, anyways, um, but yeah, it's uh, back in the swing of things, back in Florida, in time for the weather to be bearable. Uh, mm. And uh, yeah, I am excited to be talking uh, about this topic that you have brought to the museum today, Joe. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so am I. I'm it's a little noisy here. It is a little noisy. I apologize. I mean, speaking of the swing of things, really got that oil pump moving in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely loud and there would have been, you know, lots of these things set up for miles and especially in Oklahoma and of course as we know on the West Coast. But uh the reason we have this out here and just sort of as our uh, an stage, oil rig. An oil rig, of course, if it wasn't clear, um, as we can hear it. Just to set up some of the context, I wanted to talk today for today's tour about the uh, context for the book and the film, The Killers of the Flower Moon, by specifically going over a brief history of the Osage peoples and their uh, claims to the oil rights and underground reservation that they had when they were forcibly moved by the United States government. So I, I think I mentioned this last tour that I was reading the book Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grant, I believe it is, is his name. It's great. I did end up finishing it. Fantastic book, and I cannot recommend it enough. It's an interesting story. It's a real piece of history that happened, and it starts to contextualize, especially the formation of the FBI and a lot of the um, ways in which settlers, even into the 1920s and 30s, were still abusing and murdering and taking advantage of indigenous peoples all throughout the United States, and in this case in particular, focusing on the Osage peoples. And why were they doing this? Mostly because of money, which is usually the reason for many of these cases. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of relieved. Like it's it's uh, oh, it's as simple as money because you said you said underground, and I was like, ah, oh, where is this going? No, well, okay, so we'll we'll get into what that means later, but that that's term is thrown around a lot underground reservation. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it just means that they retain like mineral rights. But mm-hmm. I'll get into why and how they got that and why that's so important. Right. We're not to, like, we're not going to start talking about hyperboreans. We're not no, going to No, no, we're no, not, no. We're not we're not no, going no, to no. start talking about reptilians sucking sucking the orgone out of us uh for from our no. human misery. You know, we talked uh, uh, I think of uh, what two that was a while back. Not that long ago. We talked about 
conspiracy theories that were pretty bogus, you know, mm-hmm. I think two tours ago. This is a conspiracy that's like real. You know, this is like what mm. the actual term conspiracy means. But um, right. we're not going to focus. Thank, com- thank, God, thank God it's just about money. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess now we have to establish that. No. But we're oh, going to. I apologize. No. <laughs> we're we're going to be focusing, though, specifically on that contextual history of this way before we get into because we're not going to talk too much we're not really going to talk at all about the murders that happen and the true crime aspect for that we're not that type of museum that's not really what we're into i'm sure if those were interested we could but again i'd rather direct that to the book because it just gives so much more of that context than i could ever begin to start researching and talk about however i do want to preface this and this is part of the reason we're doing this tour as well is that with the movie coming out which i was very excited for and i admittedly have not seen it yet i have heard and based on this was from osage criticism um that it is in the perspective of leonardo dicaprio's character who is ernst burkhart i believe real person and robert de niro's william hale um without it sounds so weird to say spoiling because this is like history and a real thing that happens but for the sake of narrative they are not exactly the people that should be the focus it should be molly burkhart and i will defend that as a narrative that it should always be the indigenous person's story as the main character in the film but it's Hollywood, I guess, and that's what has to happen. Right. So we're going to do that here instead, and we're going to be focusing specifically more on the Osage perspective and their context, coming from, of course, our um, perspectives reading and digesting this down, but mm-hmm. in hopes that you will go and be able to look more into this lens of where this happened rather than the more whitewashed version of it. Mm-hmm. But again, I haven't seen the film. It might end up being great. I don't know. But I just mm-hmm. want to pr- put that out there now before this goes out to all of you. And then it's like, well, we're going to need to correct some things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's un- it's unfair to to judge it before we've seen it. I could totally understand that criticism. I could also... I, I'm remaining, I'm remaining open-minded about it because I've heard yeah. good things. And same, also, same. like... And not that this excuses anything, but I could also see since Scorsese's directing it, he has a tendency to want to tell an anti-hero's story. Uh, Yeah. So it's not going to be, uh, I I was not expecting hidden figures. Well, yeah, I just... It's just frustrating because it's like we already got Wind River that did this. And it's just mm-hmm. like, can we please just try something else? Um, you know, anything to put the indigenous person as the main character. But anyway, again, we don't need to spend any more right, time right, criticizing right. something we haven't yeah, seen. Yeah. But I'll, what, I'll come what, back and let you know. That, 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 Joe, there, there, there has to be... That has to be something we do. Like, I mean, who else on the internet is going to complain about a movie they've never seen? Oh gosh, I mean, whew. I'm sure lots of people. At least we bring some some. Sort I've of, got some thoughts on the Barbie movie. Yeah, have I seen it? No. Do I not like it? Yes. All I know about it is they drag my favorite band, my and your favorite band, Matchbox Twenty. Oh, uh, I mean, it's already just a zero for me. Gosh, it was a good movie was a good movie. We liked Barbie here. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, let's get right into it. So, I wanted to start... Let's start drilling. Starting to drill. Let's drill into this history. Drill, this baby, knowledge. drill. Oh, God. I mean, we... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just going to keep derailing this. Thank you. 
<laughs> uh, I was good. There was an oil joke in there, and I missed it. Mm, um, it slipped out of your hands. Slipped out of my hands. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, and I apologize if this pronunciation is correct, but I was having problems finding the correct version of it. But the Wazazi people, or also known by the French word Osage, were an indigenous tribe that originally settled in the Midwest of North America, originally in the, uh, in the Ohio and Mississippi River Valley, and then later moved to the areas around modern-day Kansas and Missouri, which is where they ended up being based for um, well into the 19th century. And so their name translates to uh, Midwaters, which the French term Osage, and what I'll be referring to them as just because that's the more um, term used, which means in the French um, translation, calm water. Mm-hmm. And so originally, too, the Osage rely- were reliant on, very reliant on hunting buffalo and agricultural practices as they were nomadic people who moved around in between um, their span of the lands that they inhabited and would be inhabiting different areas at those times. So we're working with a more hunter-gatherer nomadic practice based on the way that they um, lived. So speeding up a bit to after 1803, when uh, this is after Tom, President Thomas Jefferson purchased Louisiana territory from the French, uh, which of course contained Osage lands in it, a delegation of Osage chiefs met with Jefferson in 1804 to negotiate mm-hmm. with the government, essentially, to figure out what's going on, since now they're being told that this land is actually owned by the United States. Uh, but this is how Thomas mm-hmm. Jefferson spoke to them while also referring to them as um in quotes my children so his children and he's quoted saying this my children so long since our forefathers came from beyond the great water that we have lost the memory of it and seem to have grown out of this land as you have done and that on your return tell your chief the big track and all your people that I take them by the hand that I become their father hereafter that they shall know our nation only as friends and benefactors that we have no views upon them but to carry on a commerce useful to them and us to keep them in peace with their neighbors that their children may multiply may grow up and live to be a good old age and their women no longer fear the tomahawk of any enemy How's that hit you? Okay. Right? Okay, Tom, Tom, can we bring another pass at this? You know? Yeah. Uh, this is a snippet of that. It's... Mm-hmm. It was a lot. Cond- it's, a little, it's, little condescending. A lot a condescending. A lot condescending. Um, you know, I always, like... I'm always trying to look at the way that people used to speak and understand, like, how contextually we might get different connotations from their phraseology nowadays. Um, but that's, that, that one's a little rough. That's a little, uh, it's not great. It's (laughs) not, it's not great. I mean, uh, I mean, Jefferson already, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a complicated figure in, in our history. (laughs) Sure. That's a polite way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But Hey, among all other things, fossil collector. I guess that's true. Yeah, God, it's. I just... mean, th- this is this is also kind of th- this is a little before I think, but this is also the territory that we were talking about mm-hmm. not too long ago, um, uh, with regards to uh, Native American paleontology. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so right. you know, he he would also you know he he had an affinity for for this land. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it was. It is very much this. He yeah, I I think his his idea of things going well is very different from the people already living there. Yep. 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 So mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Who would have guessed it, though? Soon after, oh. they completely, this is the United States, completely betrayed um, the mm-hmm. tribe about two decades later. So oh. as the United States government provided a horrible treaty deal, which forced mm-hmm. the Osage to turn over nearly 100 million acres of their ancestral land and find refuge yeah. in a 50 by 125 mile area in southeast Kansas. Mm. So much for... We're all yeah. the same. We're pals, man. We're from, right. you know, we're from the we're all immigrants uh, here and it's like, oh jeez, man. You know, here's one thing though that I I do think about quite a bit. Yeah. And this is with full acknowledgement of the of of the awful things that uh Jefferson did. Um I also do sometimes wonder if when we're looking at all of this and we're reading when we read history and we're like, and 20 years later, that treaty was thrown out. And right. we are rightfully frustrated and angry. And especially if you are the descendants of those people, mm-hmm. frustrated and angry. Um, but the other thing that I keep kind of thinking about is comparing this to modern times where essentially America's policies on things change every four to eight years because of presidents. True, True yeah. I'm also trying, I am trying to give the past a more open mind by thinking like, okay, in 20 years, you have a different government. Yeah. You could could have already been through uh, three or four governments. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm trying to also, I, I think it's always worth looking at these things in that perspective but yeah no totally this is is, uh, insanely fucked up already oh yeah no absolutely no that's a good perspective though to keep in mind i I like that a lot because it is Mm -hmm. it is true but i think at the end of the day it is this settler colonialist mindset yeah absolutely absolutely but in in a way that we could understand like policy changing Mm -hmm. between bush obama and trump like to right. us, yeah, to us, that that seems perfectly contiguous because we we lived through it and we watched right. that happen. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a good point. I never actually thought about it that way because again, we we tend to compress the past a lot of times too, and 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 treat it in that way. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So this happening that two decades later after Jefferson's talk with them, uh, now. At this point, again, the U.S. government's assuring the Osage that the area in Kansas that they're in is going to be their forever home. They can stay there indefinitely until Mm -hmm. 1870 when um, they're forcibly removed again, uh, taking the lands. And this is by the government, again, taking the lands where their relatives are buried and casting them out to never return to that space. So eventually... um, what ends up happening is they eventually perp- they purchased some land from the Cherokee Nation. The Osage, this is, purchased some land from the Cherokee Nation at 70 cents an acre, which was in, um, and I am qu- quoting this, Indian Territory, mm-hmm. which is about the size of Delaware, um, the, la- this, the space of land that they purchased, that is. Mm-hmm. After completing an exodus to their new reservation, multiple camps were established, uh, Pashuka being one of the more famous names, and the Osage settled into their new land. 
However, this place had virtually no buffalo remaining as settlers and the U.S. Army were eradicating them from the plains to kill off the indigenous peoples who relied on them as their main food supply. And this had caused the tribe to struggle in feeding their people, and it also left them vulnerable for the encroaching settlers who made their way to begin or who made their way onto being in and on the reservation. Now, keep that in mind because that's going to come in way later as we get into some of the very uh, the, the debauchery, let's say, that starts to happen. Mm. But throughout the next few decades, the Osage way of life was being decimated by not only the American settlers and colonizers, but also through Christian boarding schools, which practiced in beating one's indigenous culture out of them, quite literally, and forcing indigenous children to convert to Christian and white people's ways, but also to speak only in English, which removed a lot of the cultural history of many tribes across North America and contributed to the loss of languages, of course, too. And this was not just specific to the Osage. This is more of just a general thing that happened. And because of this, by the 1890s, many white settlers had found themselves involved on the Osage reservation, be it as false friends, swindlers, ranch hands, or even devious businessmen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. A lot, so it's, not, it's, <laughs> not great. Not, not great. great. Not great. Now, I am... I am condensing a lot of history here. All of these could have, we could have tours on and maybe we will in the future as well. Mm -hmm. But again, this is just to reinforce that like this period of like what I guess in film too is considered the wild West, right? Like 18, like early 1800s to about 1890s into the 1900s. There's a lot of this going on more than whatever was happening in any John Wayne movie that doesn't really exist. This is the reality of westward expansion and post-civil war life of turning onto the indigenous people as the common enemy versus north and south it's it's very messy it's very heavy but for sure important to understand and to definitely look into and should be more more a part of our curriculum and not removed Mm -hmm. but just to say that anyways um so this leads me then to talking about a little bit about the allotment campaign, which was something that was happening towards the end of the 19th century in the United States. So in, we're going to also group this specifically to the Osage here. In the late 1890s, the United States government had grown tired of dealing with indigenous tribes acting as their own entities on their reservations that they were forced to move on and began enacting vicious betrayals to their treaties, which was essentially a bidding war for indigenous lands. Uh, This was enacted to fully convert tribes to an American way of life. So essentially the government is saying, we don't want to deal with this anymore. We just want to convert them to to our way, our, you know, our our, um, culture that we are governing here. And we're going to do this by just selling off everything that they have and trying to force them out Mm -hmm. that way. This was done to the Cherokee Nation, just as an example, because the government had purchased some land from them and sold it to settlers and the Cherokee's land had been divided up into pieces due to this, or the Cherokee Nation's land was divided up into pieces based on that buying and selling. Now, mm-hmm. this is something to keep in mind, though, when it comes to how the Osage returned retained a lot of their rights to their land. Because they purchased their lands from Cherokee Nation, it gave them a stronger case to not have this happen to them. Because, again, they didn't rely on the government to give them any part of their reservation. They bought it for themselves. Right. And this is actually due to as well to a famous Osage chief named James Bigheart, who was able to stop this process of uh, allotment happening to them. However, then-President Theodore Roosevelt, so we're jumping way further in history Mm -hmm. here, uh, was pushing heavily for allotment of their lands and is quoted, he and he is quoted saying this, 
Let him, like these whites who will not work, perish from the face of the earth which he cumbers. Ah, oh, Teddy. Yeah, yeah. I always, you know, I, I think it's I think it's always humbling because he still is one of my, <laughs> uh, maybe the president I am most fascinated by. But mm-hmm. it is, it is, uh, yeah. it, it is, it is important to to remember uh, the time period he is he is looking at, and they're yeah. all looking at. They're the the thing is they're looking at all of this as progress that. If we I know. Can just, if insane. we can just assimilate everyone, then everything will be fine. Well, it's also like I think I think we've talked about this a little bit before with when I was talking about culture in particular and why. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't, this is probably a conversation that we had, and then I'll expand it here, <laughs> where um, I got lose track sometimes. Um, where like it, it, the reason why it's so hard to export culture to different places is because when you have groups of people that are developing in their own context and their own ways of life. It's not exactly the easiest thing to just assume, oh, okay, well, we're just going to do it this way, the way we've been doing it on this side of the earth for X amount of years, even though you have your rich cultural traditions that don't work at all in the same way that ours do, and try to express it that way. Essentially, it's why Protestant white ideas coming from an American context does not export in the case of democracy to Iraq and the Iraq war does not work because those contextual histories are very different from each other. They don't, it doesn't mesh. You can't just assume that because it works in your hemisphere of the globe with your mindset and specific psychology that other people who live in a different context with a different cultural history, ancestry, language system, and thinking system are going to react the exact same way. That's, Mm -hmm. of course, being posed from more of the weirdest people in the world and Joseph Heinrich's uh, research and point of view, which I think makes a fascinating case in this way. So when we apply that here, though, it's the same kind of deal. And that's that's I think the um, let's say more positive thinking of the what the United States is doing. It's it realistically it's genocide and removing the native people who are here so we can take over and have the resources that they Mm -hmm. have. That's Mm -hmm. just the, the truth of it. But right. it's obviously there's all this stuff that's happening at the same time. Um, but that was really the push. So not only on the religious push of trying to convert and remove the culture of the indigenous peoples, which was happening since the 1600s. Now we're just fully doubling down, getting rid of them entirely. Right. And and the, this stuff was. It was also very it was prominent in the culture and the idea of what of, you know, not just manifest destiny, but an idea of of American identity as well. Right. I I think I I believe like even like the people running these boarding schools, these Christian Mm -hmm. boarding schools saw themselves as people that were saving. Yeah. The 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 different um, tribes from extinction by, you know, if they could get them to assimilate to American culture, if they could get them to play ball with everyone else, then uh, and, you know, get rid of the language, get rid of the the cultural, uh, all that cultural heritage that they could, quote unquote, save them. And that is is deeply, deeply flawed in what actually happened. just you know, rampant abuse and uh, yep. the, the destruction of of families and 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 God knows what else. But um, it, yeah, this is uh, it's a um, hmm. it it was looked at very differently in its time. Like this was yes. like even the, the the person I'm trying to remember his name, the person that coined like the the term racism. 
uh, ran one of these schools. He, it was first used in the context of having a prejudice against the uh, against the indigenous race. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, it it is. It's very dark, and for sure a mm-hmm. a. a this again this yeah because i do think people thought about it differently then but i also do think there was a lot more uh apathy towards it as well yes you know there was not there's definitely no sympathetic ones and honestly and i can say that from finishing like with killers of the flower moon as a specific story in here since we're basing it off of that context right is a lot there, there are like n- any ah most of the settlers in that story i would say 99 percent are awful just straight yeah. up, just straight up ill intent like that. And that is <laughs> that is the reality. Though. And we as we know, yeah. even with like you have like these these figures throughout the 19th century and even earlier with like Joseph Smith, for instance, or like other crazy cult leaders, things things are happening in America as it found forms where using betrayal and uh, charlatan ways and criminal activity, like all kinds of ways of basically like screwing somebody over or gaining the mm-hmm. upper hand on one, is encouraged, yeah. and then we call it business. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm obviously I'm speculating on some things, but if we do look at the right. history of this country, a lot of that proves correct. And um, as we like even continue here, we'll see how a little bit of that starts to happen as the the Osage get more power in the situation. Yes. So as uh, the government's plan was to break up the Indian territory, as I mentioned, where these tribes were all located and forcibly moved to. Uh, and they formed, they wanted to form, and they did form. So they formed the state of Oklahoma, which mm-hmm. in the Choctaw language means red people. I didn't know, but... Uh, ye, okay. You know? Yeah. It's a different right. time. Different time. But Wow, are, to, you, are, you, are you going, you're going to, to cancel the state I'm of gonna, Oklahoma? I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> Bro, that uh, you know, I think all states have their baggage in one way or another. But um, mm. anyways, due to Big Heart's win in delaying the government's allotment, uh, the Osage were the last tribe to have this happen to them, which gave them mm-hmm. the advantage of negotiating a better deal with the government. So he, uh, uh, Big Heart, their chief Big Heart, along with a young member of the Osage tribe who was a lawyer named John Palmer. Uh, he went, Palmer, this is, was sent to Washington to help, and he was to assist essentially negotiating this deal to help the tribe come out with something at least useful mm-hmm. out of this allotment and selling of their lands. So by 1904, so we're in the 20th century now, the Osage had prevailed in getting the government to divide up the land uh, only among the members of the tribe, which increased each individual's allotment from 160 acres to 657 acres. However, right, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, there. yeah, okay. And the, the most important part of this, though, is that they were able to secure an agreement that granted the tribe full mineral rights. Quoting, and this is quoted in that agreement by that the oil, gas, coal, or other minerals covered by the lands are hereby reserved to the Osage tribe. Okay. Yeah, big yeah. deal. Big yes. deal um, that means a lot in the case of having some sort of autonomy on their land. And what and what year is this at this point? This is about 1904. 1904. Okay, and I mean, oh, it's so hard to tell at that point if they knew just what petroleum oh, would mean. Just you wait. 
because it's I'm about to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Because it's true. Like, right, you're, you know, especially as I read that too, I was like, whoa. Like, that is because, and that's the reason they got a, not like away with it, like it's a bad thing, but that was able mm-hmm. to be passed because the government could care less about what was under the ground. Because um, this was deemed so unimportant by the government because that area that they're inhabiting in Oklahoma is deemed pretty desolate. There's not much to farm, there's not much land for even grazing. There's nothing under the ground that they think they need. And I'm talking about the U.S. government at this point. Um, and even the Osage people themselves don't really know. Because, again, it's pretty barren. It's this one part of the plains. So they're able to get that at least this mineral rights as something. And they kind of just gave it to them so they could quickly move this allotment process along. Mm-hmm. So this ended up being one of those the greatest benefits financially, though, to the Osage. But it does come at a devastating price that we'll get to at the end. Yes. As you were just mentioning, though, too, whether or not they knew about the petroleum, um, and these, this is all happening, I should just clarify, between 1904, as I said, to the 19, early 1920s. I'm not entirely sure, so I just want to cover that period in case anything's incorrect. But, of course, mm-hmm. always email us to correct and send us corrections. But um, oil was discovered on the Osage Reservation by a tribe member named John Floor, and with the tribe's approval... Floor and a wealthy banking partner got a lease from the tribe and began drilling. And in 1923 alone, the Osage earned over 30 million U.S. dollars in royalties from oil companies. Because oh. essentially now, they had to pay them, the tribe that is, the, the oil companies had to pay the tribe to drill there, which gives them more of the control in terms of who gets to do what and how they can at least benefit from who's taking advantage of their, and who's um, taking their resources. So, after allotment went through in 1906, each of um, each of the tribe members received what's called a headright, which mm-hmm. essentially was a um, was a share in the tribe's mineral trust. And when the state of Oklahoma entered the union as the 46th state member, or as the 46th state members of the tribe were able to sell the surface parts of their land, while the tribe maintained complete control over what was underneath. That Whoa. being the minerals. Right. This is this is also like the type of stuff that usually happens the other way around, right? Where exactly, yeah. yeah. That's why I always find it. I find it so fascinating that this mm-hmm. was like this. This, you know, you're. It's like, oh, okay, this is kind of a win, you know, that you're getting this this leg up in a sense after yeah. just devastating after devastating. Um, oh yeah, after news being and issues. moved around what three times? Yeah, pretty much, and abused and all kinds of other horrible yeah. atrocities happening. Mm-hmm. But along with this, no one could sell or buy their head rights and they needed, as they needed to be inherited from tribal members. So nobody outside of the tribe could buy these. You couldn't just mm. approach somebody and sell them. Um, but head rights could be inherited from family members or those who married in. So what happens is that a lot of white men and women, because this goes both ways, begin mm-hmm. to marry Osage tribal members and then... Later on, their spouses mysteriously die or disappear, leaving them with the inheritance. And, and mm. this is with the very notion that the reign of terror on Osage lands would start from 1918 and continue well into the 1930s. And that is when the story, essentially the true crime story of the Osage murders begins to start. As soon as these head rights come into claim, as soon as oil is discovered, people move in and people start dying. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and so the, the, this is where this is where the FBI gets involved. This is where the 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 movie. This is where the movie happens. Yeah, this is so, exactly okay. What, so so go so go, wa- go watch the movie, then come back now. <laughs> I guess that does kind of work. Well, I had one more thing with the headrights. Oh, then okay. go watch yes, the movie. Yes. This is just a slightly yeah. more complex context, and then go go read and come back. Um, but along so alongside the headrights of what was happening there, the U.S. government started getting very nervous that the Osage were making so much money from their oil rights and how they were spending it. So they passed a law that declared that any tribal member who was half or more of Indian an- ancestry would be appointed a guardian, and until mm-hmm. they proved competency. So even minors with less than half of Osage ancestry needed to have a guardian, even if their parents weren't around. Oh, okay. I've I've heard of this this yeah, portion of this it's uh, the, the lore as well. Yeah, no. Also very very condescending. Um, very much. Wow. Yeah. 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 No. This is this again. And and what year is this at this point? This is the nineteen twenties. Yeah. About okay, like yeah. like yeah, I would say the twenties. It's the starting yeah, up. So so, but there, I I think the other thing about this era too is you know the the uh, proliferation of the car. Yep. Petroleum, you know, being in demand, the economy's doing well. Uh, I think fr- from the bit I know of the story, they were making a good amount of money, like yeah. to. It, it there there were like even like news articles you know writing about like this this place you know in in America where the the, the Indians have white servants you know they're yeah, so well, yeah, rich. In fact, that's true. That um, I, I the I, I believe it was the sister. Oh, I think it's Rita. One it was the sister of Molly Burkhart, who's like mm-hmm. the main focus character of, of of the real person of history, of course. But in the Killers mm-hmm. of the Flower Mood one of the main uh, figures mm-hmm. there and her, I believe she did as well. And her sister, they had white servants, you know, these mm-hmm. people that were helping them instead. They were in fact, this sort of, I don't, I don't want to say like royalty or anything like that, but it was this, it was this point where there's a flip in terms of how the white system of what we're used to when it comes to colonization is happening, where you have now the people that they're subjugating are actually the ones that they need to go to settlers. This is to make money, mm-hmm. and that's yeah infuriating to them. But but uh, but isn't this also like uh, at least on the East Coast? We are we often hear, and I, I think you hear this elsewhere in the country. But I feel like especially here, where um, there's there's not really like a ton of super visible reservations the way they are out west. But right. Like we're used to hearing about how the, the resentment towards any of the tribes is usually like, oh, well, they make all their money from the casinos, you know, uh, you know, they're yeah. all rich. They're all they're all rich casino uh, stakeholders right. or whatever. And I, I, I believe that's even like. um And and, and I, I certainly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the. The the like guardian like stewardship that is being imposed on them oh, to yeah. like you know make sure that they they know what to do with their money. There's like a little bit of that. I I believe there's it's it's complicated as all things are, 
Um, but you know, here in Florida, especially, I know there's like, there's a little bit of a conversation about like the children of, uh, members of the Seminole tribe, because Mm. everyone in that, everyone, it's, it's almost kind of like having an industry nationalized. Like when you come of age, you typically get a ton of money because all of the, all, all of the money and resources are pooled, uh, from their revenue. And you just sort of immediately get it. Right. Uh, and there's there's a lot of conversations about how, like, they they might uh, use it irresponsibly to just suddenly come into a ton of money at 18 or whatever. And yep. Yep. yeah, it's it, it's it, God, it it uh, I'm. I'm trying to understand if this is a similar type of narrative or this is uh, like the, uh, they just don't know what to do with it. Like, is that the vibe? Um, that's what they're pretending to say. You know, that's okay. that's kind of what they're us trying to do to the Osage, yeah. right? That these, and it's more of like, because because a lot of the stuff that's happening too, like a lot of this is coming down from like local law and local courts are really yeah. fighting in on this, which is super sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um but it's because, like, with the whole competency thing and proving a guardian, like, that's being overseen by, like, local ones, not federal mm-hmm. courts. Even though the mm. government kind of backed them, it's local courts are doing this, which really oh. begs this question of conspiracy, but also that they're doing this to control their money. It's, it's essentially how, right. you know, oh, a nation suddenly has rights to their oil and oh man there's a coup what happened like that kind of thing it's so, it's so not- the, that's that's interesting though so this is more this is more local government meddling yes and well, that's very I, important can can i can i wildly speculate let's do it yeah at a time when manifest destiny westward expansion isn't really happening the federal government probably doesn't care anymore everyone's correct Everyone, everyone is a good Protestant capitalist, uh, you know, west of the Mississippi, as far as they're concerned, except in California. Uh, so, so they, they probably are like, yeah, we don't care. They're making money and paying taxes. Exactly. So, so probably it's probably the local government probably, probably looking at things similar to the way they were that, um, you know, the, the Southern, you know, Democrats are looking at the rising black middle class and are like, oh, these people are, these people might, you know, you know, be able to change voters' minds. Yep. You know, you got th- it. this, as soon as you have money, you can have a political apparatus. Yeah. You, you have power, you have status, you have you're getting close to equality, right? That you mm-hmm. can manage that out. And if not, kind of skew the balance of who has power in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can't happen, right? On mm-hmm. a local level, they are not interested in that occurring. Right. So what do you do? You impose this law that says that if you know you have X amount of percentage of an- Osage ancestry, you need a guardian. So that way they control your money. And that guardian could be like anyone. So usually it's like sketchy lawyers or businessmen can be in Mm -hmm. the guardian position. People's husbands or wives can become their guardians, which happens a lot. But then Mm. you also start getting these people that are wiggling their way into Mm -hmm. positions to inherent head rights. Right. And that, you know, you could argue speculation, but I mean, as shown in the book and in the true crime cases, 
mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious that's what's happening. That there's because right. it's it's so consistent that there's these you know white people that move in and marry into these families that are insanely wealthy, and then all of a sudden that people start going missing, and then they find mm-hmm. these murders, and that's exactly what happened in the Osage murder investigations, which is what the book starts off with. Besides just kind of going over a little bit of this part as well. Yeah. Um, and in particular, with Molly Burkhardt's family, where her sisters are being killed one by one. First her sister, mm-hmm. then her mother, then her second sister, leaving just her remaining in the family. And that's the plot of, essentially, the book and the movie. And why I'm saying that, just to sort of go back, and again, I, I haven't seen the movie yet, so mm-hmm. we'll get there when we get there. But um, why I thought it was a little disheartening to hear from the tribal member that um, Ernst Burkhardt is the main character and not Molly Burkhardt is because this is all happening to her and her family and her surrounding nation and these tribal members. And mm-hmm. they are the characters. Now, I'm sure it's going to be in like the Scorsese way and it's probably going to be good in a sense of a narrative in a movie film. But this is the second time that Hollywood has made a movie about this, by the way. First time mm. focused it on the FBI investigations, which is Wait, a when, crazy... when was when was the first one? I think the seventies. I want to oh. say, hmm. yeah, it okay, did yeah, like, no, it they, did they, like were, they were not, they were not, yeah, the, the, but they, yeah, in the seventies, they weren't going to. Uh... No, <laughs> no, they were let, not. Let me going let to. me guess. Let me guess. Jimmy Durham directed it. Oh, I have no idea. But maybe <laughs> He's, you know, no, he stars in it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's like it's this thing of like this is a story that it, it really does um show the dark side of american history especially when yeah. it comes to indigenous relationships and what we've done essentially to the indigenous tribes living here and it's the second time now that it's taken away from that main point of view and put onto the settler one now again i don't want to presume anything but i guess it's just it's a story that we need to have come to popular view, which is where I can always see arguments of how um, of how media and, and movies can be used as these ways to propel information forward, but sometimes that can come back and haunt us. However, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, it's got good reviews. We'll see what happens. But just to, to kind of give some of what to expect, too, at the same time this is all happening these murders are occurring from basically like 1923 to the 30s the fbi is like just starting to become a thing and it's mm-hmm. one of these and who uh oh my god what is j edgar name? thank you i was like edgar j yeah j Her, edgar well, it's, it's all it's also confusing because his cousin was president exactly yeah that's why i always get i get lost um but yeah a 29 year old j edgar hoover is in power so like Keep that just, in mind that he is just no, starting. No, here's here's, to here's it. the confusing thing for me. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio is this FBI agent. He is also J. Edgar. He is also J. Gadsby. Okay, well, hold up, because he is um, Leonardo DiCaprio is playing Ernst Burkhardt, who's Molly Burkhardt's husband. Oh, okay. So, so he, he is, is not. He is, he is not he is Ern, He is he is Ernst Burkhart. He is J. Edgar Hoover. He is also J. Gatsby. He is very busy in the 1920s. <laughs> that is right. Yeah, in the in the in the canonical timeline. Wait. That is oh, this. and he's also on the Titanic. He's also on the Titanic. And God, he had a, he had a busy couple decades. He was busy. He was in a lot. You know, it's maybe they're all just doubles, or they're all like, is it just a multiverse? You know. Hmm. Mm. Can't wait. Can't. Well, I can't wait for the multiverse movie that Scorsese will hate about this. Oh my god, I am. <laughs> I am very. I'm very. I don't know. I'm very curious about it. I, I definitely think because I know uh, what is his. I can't remember his name. But he's in Breaking Bad, 
and he's playing um I forget his name, but he's this like famous actor. He's playing Tom White, who's the FBI agent that was on the case and really mm. got a lot of this is the only reason half of this got solved. Because it was a state level conspiracy. I mean, we are talking wow. like courts involved, the fact that they had to retry like twice to three times mm-hmm. because the jury was so biased or being paid off. Like mm-hmm. it's deep level, real local conspiracy wow. that spread across state lines in many cases to get people involved. Um, and it has like these weird tie-ins also with like, um, uh, like Al Spencer and like, uh, even Hmm. involving like who, I forget who like killed Ma Barker, but like that whole thing gets kind of dragged in a little bit. It's like very odd how much this was actually being involved in a lot of, I just think there were, I just think there were fewer people back then. So you had to fulfill (laughs) fulfill multiple, (laughs) you had to fulfill multiple historical things. Yeah. Big, big shoes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's it's a crazy it's it's a crazy story, but and and honestly, a, a very interesting piece of history too. But yeah, I, I I just wanted to use this as time as well to provide some context for like what essentially to go into because it may be yeah. kind of an Oppenheimer situation where there's no context given, and if you don't know anything about the story, mm-hmm. it's a little confusing. Which I'm not always against. I think that it invites a lot of need to like do some research and look into it but i i do think that um and again this is more of a brief contextualization of it because we could spend hours going into any one of these three kind of main topics be it the osage's original history the allotment campaign of the u.s or even the mineral and head rights that were assigned Mm -hmm. to them all of those just have so much legal depth and interesting history behind it but yeah, essentially what this all leads to is lots of murder, betrayal, and again, massive criminal um, activity that comes at the cost of indigenous lives and tribal members and family members that are still felt today. This still mm-hmm. does affect that group, this Osage Nation um, today. And even so, like at the end of the book, um, that... This was in 2016, I believe this is being reported on. So I don't know. I haven't checked into this. I don't know when this got, if anything came about this. But they actually ended up losing a case. The Osage, this is, lost a case against this um, Italian wind farm company who erected oh. these, the, the um, wind. Grisaroni? Oh, my God. I, it's something else. It's something minimalist or whatever, you know, that we could expect to are encounter the, in Milan. Are, are, are the wind turbines rigatoni? Oh gosh, they're built. They're built out of pasta. Um, it's sustainable. No, but they are. <laughs> they they actually ended up winning a case against the Osage because they wind turbines technically don't pull any energy or minerals from the ground, even though they have to be dug into the ground to work. So hmm. they didn't have to pay anything back to the tribe. So again, we're still huh. seeing this happen. We're still seeing right. companies and people win over on indigenous lands to still find a way to make a buck off of it. And it's just, that's why I think it's still an important story, you know? Yeah. And I, I I had heard a little bit about this on, um, an episode of Omnibus, uh, that, that talks about this. And one of the things that also is, you know, because this is, it's kind of far enough back, but not really that far back. It's, um, there, there's also a little bit of some hand wringing among like institutions, like you know things like schools and and uh, and companies that somewhere in their portfolio might have some of these ill-gotten uh, head rights. You know, yep, yep. 
Exactly. It's uh, it it is it is ongoing, and it is unclear how who is aware of these yeah. things. You know, since these you know these were very these were valuable uh, mineral assets that uh, different uh, people wanted to have uh, wanted to have access to the profits from. It's yeah. Um, it's it's very disturbing, but it's also very telling of. Uh, mm. Mm-hmm. Of of what of what was done in the past, you know, um, and the uh, that uh, that that in, that insatiable desire to to grow power and influence and money. It's uh, um, it's it's startling. I'm lo- I'm also you know, I'm 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 looking forward to the movie. I'm also like yeah. you know going into it as a. I'm excited to hear the music too because I know it was uh, at least partially uh, done by uh, Robbie Robertson. Rest in peace. Oh. Uh, who was, uh, you know, a longtime friend of uh, Martin Scorsese. You know, he directed The Last Waltz. And uh, this was, I think, one of uh, Robertson's, like, last projects before he died. Oh, wow. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm curious to, to see it as well. And I definitely encourage everybody to go see the movie, at mm-hmm. least for sure to read the book, too, to give mm-hmm. that, I think, the attention it deserves. But, I, again, I, I, I think it's... um. It's important that the story maintains public focus, however that has to happen. Um, and I don't want to judge anything too much before I obviously see it. But that was kind of my case. I was just in case we both see it and go, chat, actually, mm-hmm. that was, uh, there's some problems here. But right, right. I've heard good things about it as well. So I'm very curious to to see what, how it goes. Oh, see yeah, how they yeah. tell the story. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just like, I'm I'm expecting like some character who's essentially like the um the, the 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 casino owner in the Sopranos who like quote unquote discovers he has a great great grandmother who was like half uh native so he like starts wearing the uh oh he starts wearing he starts wearing the bead art and everything right and he's like you know talking about my people and the the casino is so important uh, you know oh jeez <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, just to see. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah. Thank you for doing all of this wonderful research, Joe. And this is this is a uh, it's a very interesting, very complex, sad but mm-hmm. but important uh, thing for us to get to look at and and talk about. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm glad I'm glad you found it interesting. And and again, I know it's a bit brief in terms of the history part of it, but I hope it provides that context needed. And and perhaps interested in to see if, you know, you'd want to read the book or get into the film or, you know, look mm-hmm. a little bit more into this into mm-hmm. this history and time period. Because this connects with a lot of other things happening yeah. at that time as well that we have either talked about or the public has been interested in as well, like with the Tulsa massacre and things like that. This is all happening yeah. around the same time for the same reasons. Yeah. And I mean, you read the book pretty quick. It must be pretty gripping. Yeah, I read it in like two weeks. It was very yeah. fast. It, it, because it, it's it's very gripping. It definitely like keeps it moving. It's paced out well. And it's not a it's just one of those books that the text is just so spaced out nicely that you can go page to page like quickly. And I just mm-hmm. appreciate that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I just like a good, <laughs> well written and not text deep book that keeps it moving that way. But yeah, no, I, I was very once I hit like page 40 i think i was like i'm all in this this is mm-hmm. i need to know what happens and then you kind of find out and it's just like right well this is a lot i i so. think 
I think Fifth Son was similar for me where mm. it was a it was challenging at first just because trying to keep the names straight, you know? Right. Yeah. It and I don't mean this in a um just just Cut. because I am not familiar, I am not someone who who knows uh, you know, the Aztec language. Right. Uh, the, you know, a lot of unfamiliar names thrown at you right at the beginning that you have to mm-hmm. get used to and differentiate so that you can follow the story, which is really compelling. Right. Um, <laughs> now, unless, but but see, you read Dune. I was going to compare it to Dune, but I thought I was going to sound like an asshole. I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) That's how I did it this way. I was like, hold up. No, no, no. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. No, I mean, I was was waiting for the Aztecs to ride in on sandworms and defeat the Spanish, but, you know. Oh, God. It it just, it it didn't happen. Uh, Yeah, no. It turns out, turns out different books. (laughs) Different. No. Really? <laughs> oh, that's uh, great. But yeah, no, uh, I, I, to- I totally get what you mean. It's, it's yeah. And history books can be, they can be tough. Like there's a lot of, yeah. you know, like I, I, I definitely reading some of those like Joseph Heinrich books took a bit. They're not that hard to read either. But like right now I went from Killers of the Flower Moon to mm-hmm. The Rhetoric of Perspective, actually. Another mm-hmm. book. I think Xander. Very good knew. book. It's very good, but it is dense. Like it, it is. is, it is. It is a lot of language that mm-hmm. I am remembering from art school, but it is very intriguing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, uh, it's really great, though. I really Yeah, really no, like I, I, and I do recommend it. I do like it that that one at least is broken up into essays that you can kind of take bites yeah. at a time. For um, sure. But yeah, uh, well... From I think we're jumping ahead a little bit to uncanny yeah, sorry, recommendations, sorry. but should we should we go next to stick it or ticket to lighten think, things up? I think we should. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, um, have you seen uh, any questionable bumper stickers lately? You know, I have to admit, I haven't seen many. That's oh, a, I think the only thing I saw has just been like weird Halloween direct de- de- decorations on cars. You know, mm. like there's always yeah. like a, ha- you ever see the hands sticking out of a trunk? I've been getting a lot yeah, of those recently. Yeah. And then there yeah. was one that I felt like was more of a cop out where it's just like a bumper sticker of a hand coming out of a trunk. Oh, and I was on. like, well, that's just like not as fun. I'd rather you commit. Yeah. Um, you're going to, you're going to ruin your car's finish with that sticker. I know. It's just like, so it wasn't, I think from the, <laughs> from what I had last time, I, I haven't mm-hmm. found anything just as interesting. Yeah. Well, hopefully I can make up for it. I've got a few that are pretty oh, great. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay, so one, it was just more the again, a similar to um uh the 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 military Dragon Ball Z one. This was was more <laughs> just about the uh, the juxtaposition of the two. Uh Deathly Hollows sticker right next mm. to a Freemason uh sticker. See, I would confuse uh, them. I would confuse them. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be. I would be so. <laughs> um, just fascinating seeing those two symbols next to each other, but reinforces my uh, my understanding of Freemasons as nerds. Um, <laughs> next, I saw um, one that said "Aged to Perfection: Old Man Driving." Mm, okay, that's fun. Yeah, and then um, just today, I saw a guy who had you know classic MILF sticker that said "Man, I Love Frogs." Um, and then right next to it was a sticker that said warning driver may be jacking off now why that now why that on there 
because it's Florida and you really have to extra hammer home that you don't care. But that's like a crime, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it didn't look, it it definitely was not a Tesla, so it was not (laughs) self-driving. You know, this was, this was like, this, it looked like, you know, like a, like a 15 year old Mazda. So I don't think they had that technology. No, not they have to like install a Kindle or something on there. It's <laughs> like a USB right into the cigarette lighter. Oh my god! Yeah, I, wow, yeah. that went from zero to a hundred so quick. Maybe uh-huh. now, maybe like fifty to a hundred. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it's souped up. I don't know. You know, the people. Um, my brother actually got in trouble with this once. Uh, people race across the um, uh, the the bridges over the bay at night. Uh, cause it's just, it's just, it's basically like straight uninterrupted highway over the water. So, you know, in, in the middle of the night when there's nobody out there, uh, you know, you can just, you can just go for it. So you never know when anyone's like got under the hood of these cars. Cause they could just be secret bay racers. This just sounds like fast and the furious. Please come visit me <laughs> in Florida, Joe. I know you're really convincing me. These are all working so well together. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Well, those were very, th- those yes. were pretty good. I have to uh-huh. say, as crazy stickers, for sure. Thank you, thank of you. Of course. Well, next, shall we go to uncanny recommendations? I think we should. Yeah. Okay. Um, so these are things that we have watched, uh, been reading, or listening to lately that we would like to pass on. All right. Uh, should I? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. All right, so I um I guess just on my end, I think I forgot to mention this. I don't know if I did last time or not. Uh, but the movie Past Lives is something mm. that I recently watched. I think I watched it actually for my birthday. Uh, by Celine Song is so good, so good. Mm. Definitely top runner twenty twenty three for me. Highly recommend uh to watch it. It's definitely worth it. Of course, go and read Killers of the Flower Moon. Highly recommend it. It was a fabulous read and incredibly interesting. I've also been reading, uh, as I mentioned, the Rhetoric of Perspective by Han Haneka. Han, I she's very Dutch, by Hanukkah. It sounds it sounds like that. I think Hanukkah uh, <laughs> Grutenberg. Grutenberg, I believe okay. I could be butchering that. Uh, okay. It's very interesting. As Zan recommended mm-hmm. it to me, and I found it very useful, especially when working with still lives and as somebody who's interested in more banal scenes. I'm like fifty pages in. It's not too long of a book, but it's. It's dense. It's like a good pound cake, you know. It take, you have to take your time to get through. But I, but I quite like it. It's I think and every art student, especially painters, absolutely should be reading it. And if you're in yes. graduate school, that's definitely on. The I list. usually I usually do assign it to my student, or at least an excerpt from it to my students. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely it gets you thinking about why I work with still lifes and why I work from why why choose the subject matter. Um, mm-hmm. and for sure, we'll have to maybe we'll have to talk about that a little bit more in depth. Oh yes. Um, and I think lastly, too, I just, I have some not necessarily uh, movie or book or music-based stuff, but I've been playing the new Assassin's Creed game, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Uh, very good. Very interesting. Definitely like it. It's got, it's got its quirks, as it always does, but it's so interesting to see a 750 CE version of Baghdad on a video game, and they did a great job of really bringing that to life. And I don't think I ever mentioned playing Armored Core 6 on here, which is a video game I never thought I would be interested in playing, because it's about giant robots. But mm. I just want to say, if you're 
you know, interested in playing a new FromSoft game that's not Dark Souls or Elden Ring, definitely check that out. It's really great. Um, all right, that's pretty all right, much yeah, it. I, I didn't understand any of that, but yeah, it, sounds I knew, like I knew. It, it sounds like it would make sense to someone. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's good, Zan. You'd like it, you know. Don't you uh, want to play as a giant robot? <laughs> that also has to deal with the consequences of uh capitalism i mean i just have dreams like that mm. uh you know do you dream in neon genesis Evangelion? i had a dr- <laughs> i fell asleep on the plane flying into philly and then i had a dream that i was the plane and then what? i but then i turned into a van driving through the streets of philadelphia you're a transformer yeah that's crazy that's yeah, a, that's a cool dream. <laughs> Extra confusing because I've never seen Philly, so my brain is just filling in, you know, like what, yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see, let's see. For me, again, because I've been moving, uh, reading has, all of my books are packed up. And mm, uh, yeah, so other than, um, I, I really have not watched or read that much, uh, that much new stuff recently to, to report on. What I will say oh, is uh, I really, really have been into uh, Haunted Mountain, the new Buck Meek album. Uh, if you are a fan of Big Thief, Buck Meek is the uh, lead guitar player, and he's put out a really, uh, really fantastic uh, uh, solo, a uh, couple solo records, but um, I, nice. I, I really nice. like Haunted Mountain. If you... Uh, it's definitely uh, Big Thief adjacent, uh, but it's different. So I do recommend that. Uh, as well sure. as um, uh, Bedouin. Uh, Bedouin. I've been listening to uh, Waysides uh, by her. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for kind of a little more uh, jazzy, uh, put, on a, put on a lamp and chill uh, type music while you sip your your mocktail or kombucha. Uh, I, I highly recommend. Uh, nice. Highly recommend that. Um, but yeah, that is that is what I am. That is what uh, is accompanying me uh, on my uh, long drives between St. Petersburg and uh, Tampa at night. So Sweet. yeah, um, yeah, that is that is all that is new with me. Um, I guess uh, we should go into uh, things happening outside of the museum. What have you got going on, Joe? Uh, I don't really have too much going on at the moment in terms of my own personal work and things happening. Um, but as always, you know, you can check out some of the artwork I have on my website at joesaminoart.com and also my music, which is on um, pretty much every streaming service as Joe Semino. Um, really, I feel like the only announcement that I have is our uh, Ghost Modern news. But maybe we'll go through yours first mm-hmm. and, then, and then save that at the end. Um, that is obviously the big thing for me. Uh, the only other thing I guess I have to plug is that my um, my piece, Serena, is still up at uh, the Work Gallery, spelled W-E-R-K, right. in St. Petersburg, nice. uh, for the Touched by a Lobster show. I finally got to go see it. I'm very sorry to everyone that I I missed the opening, but I was at my cousin's wedding. Uh, that, uh, uh, but uh, it is up. The gallery is has a good selection of stuff. There's some other uh, talented artists in there. But if you go in, you can also see my piece that is there. Nice. Uh, but that is. Uh, I, I guess we should just talk about. What if you are listening to this now? A, a a hot new piece of music that you can check out that 
it just came out yesterday. Just, just came off the presses. That's right. Mm-hmm. Jazz Club by Ghost Modern is officially out, or hopefully, unless everything collapsed in terms of music <laughs> unless, streaming. Unless the EMP happened and yeah. all digital media has been erased. Um, right. Yeah. Well, don't worry, because we'll as soon as we are able to, and as soon as there is any interest, we will press it on vinyl. Because that's that's the whole reason I collect vinyl <laughs> is I'm preparing for some apocalyptic yeah. event to save all of my music. Exactly. Because yeah, like, I mean, like I was going through my record collection the other day, like trying to think of things to to narrow down, and I have uh, I have the the Patty Smith, uh, Smythe, Smith, you know the the Warrior. Okay. Shooting at the walls of heartache. You know that song? Sure, uh, yeah. Like, I've got that on vinyl, and I was thinking, I was like, why do I have this? <laughs> and then mm. I'm like, well, what if I want to hear that song, and, you know, all I've got is my record player, and the Wi-Fi is out, and I just really want to hear that song? That is an interesting rationale that I, I, I agree with, but I think I have too many, obs- <laughs> I have too many obscure favorite songs that I can like mm-hmm. only find sometimes on like YouTube or Bandcamp. So it's just, mm-hmm. it makes this very difficult for me. Right. But that being said, you should, th- this is, this is all to say that you should definitely yes. listen to and memorize all of the songs mm-hmm. to uh jazz club by ghost modern, which is us. Uh, and <laughs> so that if the EMP does happen before yeah. we put it out on vinyl, you will remember all of those songs and recite them to your uh, band of travelers as you traverse the uh, post-apocalyptic hellscape. Exactly, exactly. The new troubadours, if you will. No, we're we're Mm -hmm. super excited to have that out. I, I, Mm -hmm. I, it has been, I think, almost two years we've been working on that. Which close to like a year and a half, I want to say. Yeah, and well worth it because I know I'm very happy with the final result and including our image and the concept of the album. Mm It's got a lot of our experiences poured into there. A lot of hard work went into mm-hmm. it from Zan and I, but it was mm-hmm. a very fun experience, and we're also excited to keep making stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> please listen to it. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're <laughs> super excited to have it out there. Uh, it was a, a labor of love, and we're excited to make more music. So, yes, sure. please, please check it out. Again, that is Jazz Club by Ghost Modern, streaming everywhere October 20th. Yes, yes, yes. And all also right. thank you again to everybody for visiting the museum and supporting mm-hmm. us here. We appreciate oh, yes. you all very much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We do, we do. Um. Yeah, if you want to find uh, us after hours, uh, you can find us at the at Uncanny County Museum at uh, on Instagram. Uh, you can email us at uh, uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com. If you want to check out our music, we are at Ghost Modern Music on Instagram. If you want to find me, I am at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Savino. Bye. Bye. Bye.